Okay, so we got the chorizo dumplings, the cucumber empanadas. Sara's food truck is popping off. Come on, guys, let's pick it up, all right? But if she doesn't find a new chef, her truck will be stuck. Carl quit this morning, so Jessica, I'm gonna need you on the fryer. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Wrap up your weekdays with John Howell. Afternoons from 4 until 7 on the Big 89 WLS. The Bruce St. James Show on 890 WLS. And a good morning to you. A happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. It's 534, allegedly. Um, If that's coming as a surprise to you, that might be because you didn't change your clocks yesterday at 2 in the freaking morning. Um, Daylight savings time is upon us or is not. I honestly don't understand it. It is it is a conundrum to me, the moving of the clocks back and forth. I If it wasn't for the automatic way that, like, your iPhone does it now and everything, I don't think I'd have any idea what time it is. I was so shocked when I woke up at 2 and my clocks hadn't all changed. Oh, they didn't change exactly at 2? <laughs> no, I had to change them. And, you know, I collect clocks, so it was quite um, an evening. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or morning, I should say. No, I don't. I'm, I collect little alarm clocks. Most of them don't work anyway, so I change the ones that do. That's it. The ones that don't work, remember, are right more often than the ones that do. Because twice a day, they will be exactly right. And then your so car. I still have a car that needs to be changed, the you know, the clock. Oh. Yeah. yeah and a lot of You're, the newer cars, it cha- again, like your imagine. iPhone, it changes automatically. There's some sort of a... a Chip. Satellite link mm-hmm. to something. There's, a, I have no idea. Why so, but you do say we? you hate it. I don't. I, I don't get I, it. But yesterday, I loved. You know, when the sun was still up at yeah six thirty seven, it was great. That freaked me out. I didn't. I wasn't about that. I I was trying to turn down for the night. You know, it did seem awful bright. Okay, yeah, vampire felt- Tom. Really? Because it was. What can so- I do? Come on, you're going to be begging for that. It, like in the summer, it's like nine o'clock. I love it, oh, and that's the thing. But you're right. If we just had, if we just never changed Can it, we, we would get used time? to it. Yeah. No, we we have to just keep changing it. Spring forward, fall back. Yeah, How know, can we live without that? The, 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 it's like one of these things. It, it's kind of like you know there are there are things that we do that harken back to an earlier age, like the idea of summer vacation with schools. That goes back to harvest and kids having to be able to to uh, work in the fields. I'm not saying no kids work in the fields anymore. I'm just saying that's not like the norm, you know. But we held on to this idea that for a few minutes in the middle of summer uh, mm-hmm. that, that there is no school so that kids can work in the fields. Again, having never touched a field, I can, I can acknowledge that. This goes back. Daylight savings time goes back to the idea that we needed to, we needed to save... Uh, gas and oil in things like lamps and cold heat homes by by having being the sun more. I mean, again, I don't think that's a like everything, Bruce. If we get rid of it, we're going to need it. That's all I'm saying. Then the oil's going to run out, and we're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's because we got rid of daylight saving time. Yeah, how will I be able to write by <laughs> candlelight or, or oil lamp with oh, my quill pen? I keep running out of whale oil. I, I am... <laughs> Darn this modernity. Uh, uh, I know. 
and I was I was tired yesterday. I was I was off kilter. Yeah, probably I'll be tired today. Probably I'll need a, I'll need a little extra time on my nap. If it was such a good thing, why why is it not universal? I mean, there are there are a bunch of countries. Heck, there are states. When I used to live in Arizona, where we never touch the clock. Arizona doesn't touch the clock. There's, no, it never changes. Wherever you, whenever you buy your clock and you set it that first time off of blinking 12 noon or 12 hmm. midnight, you never touch it again until the power goes out. Yeah. There's actually counties. Uh, uh, there's some of the Amish, uh, heavily Amish areas that don't change their clocks. Maybe they don't have clocks to change. Yeah, I don't know I don't if know. they even use zippers. A, a you know? Sundial? <laughs> yeah, 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 we got a sundial clocks. outside. Like, well, we can't change it. I mean, what are you going to do? I, I tell you, Jay, I gotta Daya, get to a, you know, got to get to a barn raising. I, I don't, don't have time for this. I feel like they're this. not really that concerned with time like yeah. we are. Yeah. I think if given the option, a lot of people wouldn't. Hawaii doesn't? I didn't know that. Hawaii doesn't? Well, that's because they're on island time. That's Hello. their that's mm. their own sort of vibe that they're doing. Well, speaking of islands, American Samoa, Guam, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, and the Northern Marianas do not observe daylight savings time. I think they're onto something. Well, and I'm assuming those all those places at one time or another said, "No, we're not going to do it." They did. Everyone did it, right? We all were on the same time. I don't. Maybe they didn't get the memo. We're on the same, you know, I mean, saving memo. time. This hasn't been forever. <laughs> it was implemented in 1918, so we've only been doing it for a hundred years or so. So, if it's about the farmers, maybe we just let the farmers decide. No, yeah, I think it was also about World War One and conserving. Um, yeah, fuel and coal mm-hmm. and whatnot. Right. Yeah, so but mostly the farmers. Doesn't Indiana still aren't yeah, parts, Indiana. Of Indiana? parts of it? Right, yeah. parts like of not, it. not the whole That's state. Even just the right. It's like you it's literally weird. drive across the street and the, and right. and the time changes. Uh, now that I think about <laughs> it, what confusing. did we do before uh, iPhones? Because oh, I wouldn't have known what around, time it is. Yeah, you okay. have no idea what time it is. Get this, uh, infant producer Miranda and uh, DJ Tom. You're not going to believe this. I hope you're sitting down. I'm checking. Both of them are sitting down. We used to have a phone number mm-hmm. that we could call, and it would tell us what time it was. <laughs> yep. You'd call the <laughs> what number. What you say? What time is it? And you'd call, and it would say, at the tone, it is 5, 40, and 28 seconds. Beep. What kind of lawless world exactly. was this? And I'm it probably try, still I'm exists. I'm trying to remember why we did we not have clocks. They give you the temperature too in some places. They throw in the temp. Oh you had one phone call for everything you needed. But can you uh, let's 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 play out this scenario? Hey, what time is it? I don't know. Let's We're, call. We'll call. <laughs> call that woman who gives us this. Is there not a clock in your house? I mean, that's weird. Do you not have a wristwatch on? How, why did we even need to call someone? Because none of our clocks were ever on time. They didn't keep time properly. So next you're going to tell mm. me there was some magical number you could call, and he would tell you some man on the end of the line would tell you what movies were playing and what <laughs> time. Oh, were, yeah, yeah, sure. Welcome sure. to Movie Phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> in an effort to save money, the engineers here at the radio station back oh, in the day built their own time-keeping apparatus, the Time Lady, they called her. Okay. And that was so they didn't have to dial the phone because I think they used to charge maybe for that. Really? But they 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 did it so they would never have to call that phone number. Well, and because we the deal in seconds, right? Here we have to be right on time. Right. Okay, so we called her to get the correct time. 
Right. Greenwich Mean Time okay, or whatever. Absolute yeah. correct time, okay. yeah. That that's um, that's kind of hilarious. They, and again, I now use my iPhone as the correct time, well, right? That's the correct time. Yeah, down I look to at the my second. iPhone, yeah, because everything's a little bit off, you're right, and but my iPhone's always But you could correct. get out your shortwave radio. Here we go. And uh, the U.S. still operates uh, out there in Boulder, Colorado, WWV, which does nothing but give you the time. <laughs> the atomic clock. Let yeah. me go get my shortwave radio yeah. fired up, Nick. I think I've got it. Yeah. yeah. What, well, are the, what are the ratings for that keep, station? Someone, <laughs> hey, you know, probably really good. Someone's yeah. got to keep the time, right? That's yeah. right. The keeper Someone's of the time. Do it. The What's National that? Institute of Standards and Technology, I believe. Oh my God, Nick, you are a absolute wealth Ooh, of information. That is unreal. <laughs> I'm never playing. I'm never playing Trivia Pursuit with Nick. Remind me of that, okay? <laughs> As he's he knows all of those bizarre things. So yeah, uh, hopefully you 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 did change your clocks. This isn't a huge surprise to you. Here's how stupid I am. I if I hadn't changed my clock. I don't know if it would be 442 or 642 right now. I literally don't know which direction it went because I didn't touch it. It just changed. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't change clocks. It just it changed on my phone, my Alexa, play WLS. It changed automatically. Just it, it is what it is. I have no idea. I don't know. You don't have a clock hanging and falling on and... your um, wall no. anywhere? No. What about your oven and microwave? What about your oven and yeah. microwave and your, yeah. Still blinking t- midnight. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Those could be a little tricky, so just good like luck. like my VCR, it, just it, blinking yeah, midnight. Your VCR. Yeah. <laughs> Got to tape mash. Yeah. Know? It took me a while with the uh, the microwave because sometimes you hit clock and you, you put the right time and then you hit clock again. But sometimes you hit clock again and it goes back. I don't, I don't, I'm never standing in front of the microwave and I'm like, what time is it to make chicken nuggets? Like, I never find the need that I need to know what time it is at the microwave. Yeah, but you don't want it to blink. You got to do something, right? Or, oh, I guess it only blinks when it goes out. Yeah. So it's just the wrong time. I think my oven might have a clock. Again, it's an appliance I've never used. Yeah, it definitely so has a clock. So I don't understand how, why I need to worry about the clock on it. I'm sure I had my oven, my microwave, I have a clock in my kitchen, I have a clock in my you living spend room. You half the day changing I clocks. Have, I have 20 clocks in my bedroom, that the ones alone, I collect. That alone is a reason not to do it. I have two car clocks. Oh, I, yeah, I spent all day changing, changing the clocks Changing clocks. That alone is why we should get rid of it. I yeah. think we need to sign you up for Clockaholics Anonymous, okay? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I really enjoyed it. I couldn't help myself. What do you want to bet there's, like a, there's an app for that, by the way? There's an app that you can go to and someone will come over to your house and change all your clocks you know what tell you what i'll come over and change it for a few i mean really i can't tell you how many times i get if you if you're in a car like back in the old days right when your car didn't do it automatically like four years ago and <laughs> i would have to google most of the time how do you change the flipping clock in this car how do you uh, you know because it's the only it, reason i keep the manual i, I was I, usually I, I you need a uh, kind of something with a point on the end oh <sighs> I have a car Terrific. that I just, it says H and M. It's the best thing I've ever seen with a little it's button. It's store. And yeah, I, I know what yeah, it says. H and you M. Clothing H, I just hit the button and it went right when I went Hey, and a good morning to you. A, uh, a happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. And if the high price of gas is causing people to drive less, how come I'm not seeing it? On the expressway. How come there's not less people on the road? Uh, come on. I thought you people were going to tap out at some hey, point. Hey, gas prices went down a little bit. In my yeah. area anyway, so. Oh, good yeah. for you. Well, this this is like the 
weird thing, the unconscious thing that happens. If they go up and then if they go down, even like two pennies, I'm so happy. Oh, yeah, I can pay that because it's cheaper than it was last week. It's a psychological, it's marketing. It's a marketing ploy. That's how they get you. They get you every time out there. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are, are still out and about. And, and again, maybe it just hasn't uh, hasn't reached that tipping point for them. But the latest thing you need to be concerned about is that that gas in your tank, after you go and you put a hundred and God knows what in to fill it up, is someone going to come and try to steal the gas out of your tank? Like... I remember when locking gas caps or or the little door on the on the uh, on the car, you had to like unlock it from the inside. I don't. I, those aren't very. I don't see those very often anymore. Yeah, mine mine still has a button where it's like I have to reach down. It's right next to my my left foot. Uh, okay, so side. inside yeah, the car, lever. it's inside the car. Yeah. It's and you push. Yeah. I think it's you push down to pop the trunk. Mine is you push. Both pu- of mine push. do. Okay, you're a push. Uh, you, no, no. Oh, you push the, the outside. Door. You just push the door. It pops open oh. and you unscrew the cap. Wow. There's no lock. There's no. There's nothing to stop anybody. Why would they have gotten rid of that? That's I don't know. Weird. I don't have a car that has a locking door or or cap on it. I mean, it so seems I'm, like I'm it obviously would... going to be the one who gets their gas stolen first. Well, yeah. no, they don't need to. Do, they can't do it that way. They they don't do that anymore with the straw. We don't siphon anymore. No, they drill a hole in your gas tank. Okay, they deserve that. If you're going to get out a goddamn drill. And you're going to have sparks flying while you're... I, I hope you oh, do get third-degree yeah, burns. What's well, that guy doing? Oh, you know, just, just fixing something. Yeah, making a repair. Yeah. Lying the thing underneath is, your car. the repair for that is extremely expensive, right? It could cost you thousands of dollars to get your... You probably your... got to get a whole new yeah, gas Yeah, so it's not just someone took God's your gas, sake. which is thousands of dollars. They're gonna, now you've got to make the repairs. Yeah. But they're finding that people are doing that because it's just probably quick and easy, right? Or punctured gas, puncturing gas tanks mm-hmm. to steal gasoline. They've used a, a a tool to drill a hole in it, and then just emptied it all out into containers. Yeah, that is. I, I understand that gas is expensive, but I guess I can't see myself ever being so desperate for gas that I would go through the work. Of drilling into someone's gas tank. Well, you say that, but you know they also, you know, people steal the catalytic converters. You know, folks. Yeah, those are point. thousands of folks dollars. Folks have come home and and yeah. somebody just got underneath with a sawzall and those cut are, the thing out. That we're talking a hundred, maybe seventy five dollars compared to thousands of dollars. And then where do you sell the gas on the you know black market? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. I mean, you got little containers, you got jars. I'm going to go get it's personal use. You're yeah. not actually reselling gas at Tom's gas station now. He's running no, out of his backyard. I'm sure it's a black market. It's, you know, like little jars and they're decorated. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, wait, right. Uh, yeah. Mason jars. Yeah. Mason here's jars your, with little handwritten labels. And your jar of this gas. Is 89 yeah. octane. It's going for. Oh, listen, yes. this is this is primo local gas, okay? Yeah. I got this from a, uh, a Buick. Yeah. You know, locally sourced. Locally sourced. Oh, but you know criminals. It's they're craft. Pro- they're gas. definitely diluting it with water. It's going to not be the good gas. Oh, won't even be the good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have to like take a taste to know if it's legit? You know, you kind of <laughs> rub your finger it. there. Like, I don't know. Mm, rub it on but your I got I shouldn't even mention this now, but to me, it's how much easier is it to just go into break into people's garages and take their containers that are already filled with gas? You don't keep containers filled with gas in your garage, well, do you? Of course you do. Oh sure. my god! Well, that's going to be a house that burns down soon. Come on. What, what do you? Where do you think you need the gas for your lawnmower, yeah. your no. snowblower, tractor? No. You go to you the don't gas keep it station inside. every time. Of course. You, well, 
Those gas inside containers? the garage. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah no, it's well, a fire hazard. <laughs> well, so is my stove, I guess. Yeah, it's right? Have you seen the story? Stop me if this is your criminal of the day. I hope it's not. Yeah. A minivan that's been converted to siphon gas. Have you seen this? No, what? do tell. These people, I think this was down in Orlando. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. And they, they cut literally a hole in the bottom of their minivan. Got it. And they had a big container of some sort in the mm-hmm, back, right? Mm-hmm. They parked, they went to the gas station, parked over oh, the, the filler thing the, where the, the, the big, the big the like tanker manhole truck. cover. Right. Yeah, okay. Opened up their little trap door <laughs> and ended up siphoning $3,000 worth of diesel fuel over like the course of three days. Wow. Genius. And finally, the, the gas station owner's like, that car keeps coming back and my, you know, Vans parking in the corner over there. (laughs) And we're down diesel fuel. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that weird? That is Uh, weird. And brilliant. And brilliant. Throw it out there. Pretty darn smart. In that same vein, they're finding people don't even know their gas has been siphoned, but because they also can cut the fuel line, I guess, or some line underneath until they go to the gas station to get gas. And it's just. Oh, and it starts pouring out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And then they realize that they've, you know. Interesting. And victims of gas thieves. Yeah, Travis from Riverside has a good point here. If you weren't driving around looking for cars to steal gas from, maybe you wouldn't need to steal gas. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Says it's a vicious cycle. Yes. You weren't having yeah. That is a good point. I've been bad though. I haven't been filling. I'm I'm running on fumes right now. I'm going to fill up today, but I'm like I'm going to get every last dollar out Mm. of this gas. You you know you know that it doesn't change, right? Like. There, doesn't there's no savings to driving with no with very little gas in the car. Like you're not saving anything. I like to believe it though. I, well, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as to how you We're think really that math kidding works. kidding ourselves during this gas crisis. How, how does we? that math work exactly, Tom? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I just keep driving around until yeah. I have so little gas left that it Got starts it. sputtering. Then I pull into the BP. So by sputtering, you're yeah. saving money. Yes. Okay. Of course. And right. then, of course, you have, you have no gas to drive to the gas station that has good prices. So now you're sputtering, and you've got to go to the closest gas station, which is the most expensive. Which is going to be the most expensive. And then that's when I go over to Judy's car with a Hose. There you go. <laughs> and I uh, siphon some gas. I yeah, my car, uh, too old, locks. That oh, is so good. interesting that they don't lock the gas tanks I don't, anymore. I, I mean, like, I think of rental so cars. I, I can't think of one that has, like, a locking I have never been boober. in one that doesn't have it. Yeah. I've never just my opened that door. My cars are new. My new car, yeah. they don't have interesting. them. I think I remember my dad's car maybe having that, but that's about it. Well, they used to have the one you had to put the key in the gas oh, yeah. cap. In the gas cap. In the I gas remember that. cap. Yeah. Like, it, it, when I say locking gas cap, as in needed a key to unlock the gas cap. Wow. So not just the turn method where Ew. it kind of locks in place. You have to literally mm-hmm. have a small key. Unlock it. Jeez, man. That, you're going back to the days of having that 15-gallon uh, like gas tank right behind your seat of your oh, pickup truck. God, the good old days. The good old days. Right? You get a side impact, you're dead. Yeah, Blown well, up. you know what? Who, who needs to live <laughs> Gotta forever? Gotta go sometime. <laughs> who needs to live forever? <laughs> Come on. It's overrated, by the way. Way overrated. Um, so, yeah, it's just the latest thing. And, and a lot of it is perception over reality. I mean, let's let's be straight. The, the, the gas going up 10 or 20 cents, if that's going to be the thing that tips someone into a life of crime where they're going to go out and uh, drill holes in gas tanks, I hate to break it to you. You know how much Starbucks coffee is a gallon? 
It's like 30-something bucks yeah. a gallon. You want to go steal something that's pricey, go steal Starbucks. You know, I, I, siphon it out of that thing. They're not new criminals. I just picture this group of criminals, right, yeah. all over the all over the world. They just go from one thing to the next. What's the next thing it's, we're stealing? I don't. Well, the next thing that's worth something, right? Yeah. I mean, because they're a week into the gas crisis already. We're we're hearing about people stealing gas. They're always ready. They're always ready with their drills and their files and their. Well, why wouldn't they be stealing gas all the time? Because it's, it's a high commodity I like it like now. This. Uh, gas is three seventy five. Okay, gas is three ninety. I'm stealing it. That's it's it. It's on. Yeah. That's it. Get out the I drill. Mean, you know, next it's going to be toilet paper. No, 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 no. Next it's going to be if you see somebody following you home from the Jiffy Lube right after you had your oil changed, oh. they know you've got a fresh five fresh quarts oil. in there. Yep. Fresh oil. We're going to get stealing it. the oil. Still time for our criminal of the day. Thankfully, not stealing gas. Got to give a shout out to Thomas Eugene Colucci, a Florida man who thought he was performing a public service by calling 911. Allegedly, Mr. Colucci met a guy at a bar who he decided to purchase meth from, as one does. Describing himself as, quote, an experienced drug user, unquote, who had used methamphetamine in the past and knew what it should feel like, Thomas became suspicious that the meth he purchased may not be legit. When it did not create the desired effect. So he called the cops. Concerned that someone was selling fake meth and wanted the drug dealer, quote, put in trouble, unquote. Despite not being able to provide a name or much of a description. Detectives responded to the 911 call and found Colucci holding two small baggies, each containing a white crystal-like substance that he handed over to police and demanded be tested. Not wanting to disappoint Thomas, the questionable drugs were tested on the spot, and much to his surprise, they did contain methamphetamine, and he was immediately arrested. Colucci has been charged with possession of methamphetamine and possession of drug paraphernalia. For calling the cops on yourself... Possibly under the influence of meth. You, Thomas Colucci, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Mayor Lightfoot is placing unvaccinated police officers and other city employees, to be fair, on no pay status starting today. Is this a good idea? And is life just making things worse for officers and the city? Joining us to talk about it is our very own Big John Hal. John, good morning. Happy Monday. Lady and gentlemen, good morning to you. Hello, John. Good to have Hello. you with us. So uh, today is the, the, the deadline, the latest deadline. I can't even keep track of all the deadlines that they've had. But uh, this is the day that city employees will start losing pay for refusing. It's not even just refusing to be vaccinated, refusing to disclose vaccination status. Well, you have a right to refuse the vax. You do not have a right to be paid for it. Mm. So if you want the gig, you have to follow certain rules. You have to show up on time. You have to dress appropriately. You have to exhibit good behavior, do the job competently. And if uh, part of the job is to get a vaccination or at least at least uh, disclose if, in fact, you're vaccinated or not, then I would suggest you do it. Or, hey, Florida wants you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there is something to be said for the idea that there is um, standards and that every business out there and being a police officer, I guess, is a bit of a business. You know, it's a profession, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, that Tough there business. are expectations uh, of you in the workplace and your boss has a variety of them. And what makes us any different? I did notice that. Uh, I agree with you. I, I did notice that um, Lightfoot, the mayor, Madam Mayor. Uh, did say they were going to do this on a case-by-case basis, which is smart. Okay. Uh, because we're shorthanded as it is, yeah. and some 
officers might have legitimate uh, concerns about it. But, look, uh, you can't let employees uh, run the shop. Uh, They're unionized, obviously. The police uh, union is a strong union led by a guy who has a deep uh, beef with Lightfoot and vice versa. I get that, too. But, no, there's been plenty of warning here. We're deep into March now. Uh, We're on the tail end of this pandemic. It's an endemic now. This vaccination is probably going to be uh, here for a while. In other Mm -hmm. words, it's going to be along with a host of other vaccinations that we're required to get, uh, or at least prudently to get that. And you just have to play along. You don't. You don't have to take the paycheck. You can turn it down. You, we're not making you work. Uh, but uh, if you're you, not required you to job, do it, you're not yeah. required yeah. to show up. Well, and I, you yeah. can cash out and buy your bar in Wisconsin like every other ex-cop. <laughs> but uh, for now, or on the south side of Chicago, right? Well, most of these guys get out of the state. I notice when they uh, take retirement. But uh, I, I would say you just have to suck it up and take the vaccination. You don't mm. want to get the vax, no problem. But basically, uh, life comes down to three rights. You know, if you boil it right down, you have the right to freedom of speech. That doesn't mean I have to listen to you. You have the right of religion. That doesn't mean I have to go to church with you. You have the right of travel. That doesn't mean I have to buy you a play ticket, a plane <laughs> ticket. You're here. So you, you have to play along. Yeah. And, you know, what about the other 10,000 or so officers who who did follow the rules? This is almost a little bit, you know, disrespectful to them. Well, look, if you have a medical exemption Mm -hmm. or a legitimate religious exemption although i don't know how you prove that what can be um proven by faith can be disproven by faith obviously but um you know that's that's why the mayor has decided to make this a case-by-case basis and the superintendent concurs so that's a smart way to do it i don't know what percentage of the police department is still unvaccinated i think they're the laggards in this they're most they're behind the other departments yes yeah the other departments are almost fully vaccinated uh, and I believe that the fire department is also um, more vaccinated percentage-wise than the police department. But uh, I think the police department is still lag- lagging behind. We're talking to, to John Howell again. You can hear him every afternoon right here on on A90 WLS. And, John, you know, there, there's something I would use it maybe more fundamental with me. When it comes to police, um, that there is there are a variety of, quote-unquote, orders they have to follow. It's not unlike the military in that standpoint. You have a chain of command. Your, your superior officer uh, you know, issues it. And when these, these commands, when these, these you know, lawful orders are being given, um, I have a fundamental problem that police officers think they get to pick and choose which orders they want to obey. Well, I, I won't go that far because I think they do an extraordinarily good job under extraordinarily bad circumstances. Um, we load them down with far too many uh, facets to their job description. Uh, we make them uh, in neighborhood coordinators, so we make them into after-school supervisors. We make mental them health counselors. Mental health counselors, <laughs> and, yeah. and so we ask an awful lot of the police, and I, I understand that, and I think they should be uh, compensated far better than they are now. Uh, that being said, this vaccination is part of the gig now, so you're just yeah. going to have to get it if you want to continue to work in this department at this time. That doesn't mean the next mayor doesn't change this. The next superintendent may change this. Science may take us down the road where we realize mm. that this vaccination isn't, isn't necessary. Then we rescind it. But for now, here and now, you have to get a vaccination. But I think she, it should be very slow. It's prudent for them to be very slow in uh, you know, terminating people that don't have a vaccination mm or disclosure the same because there's other carrots that are probably still available. Right. And to be clear, there are, you know, just under 3000 unvaccinated police officers. And some of those do have legitimate, you know, um, concerns or areas where they, they're going to, they're going to be, you know, 
let go. I'm not let go, but they're they're going to pass the inspection, sure. as it were. Yeah. And you know, the mayor is saying she's not going to do anything that endangers public safety right. because right. there is that part of it. We almost can't afford to lose one police officer. We're we're understaffed now. Stretched I think thin. two thousand or so already. So mm-hmm. yeah, to lose three thousand people over vaccination, that'd be a That'd be uh, dumb. Hey, John, I, uh, I I heard Nick Gale at the top of the hour mention, you know, the, the big breaking news of the day, which is freaking Tom Brady's coming back. It, <laughs> what? He doesn't have enough money already? He was, I don't, he was I don't retired get it. for what, three weeks? Yeah, it's a mistake. I mean, I know he lost his last game, but he was in a championship game. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan hit that uh, that shot in Utah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, retired. Other guys have retired at the top of the game, and they can't stay retired. I just don't get it i don't i don't get, i can't wrap my head around that what is he 44 going on 45 yeah and you know obviously he's just he's going to be the, the oldest player in the game i don't get why they keep taking him back well he's a great he wins i think tampa bay looked done. around and goes who's didn't look boy, done. Our options around here he didn't look done yeah we're going to back for if the we young don't have anything people. else oh. i wonder as a psychologist would know this i wonder how much the news of aaron Rodgers. $200 million uh, contract uh, uh, out there. I wonder how much that motivated Tom stuck, Brady. Stuck in his craw, maybe yeah, a little? Yeah. yeah. I want $201 million. <laughs> to play for four years. <laughs> I wish him lots of luck with I'll that. I'll be 40, 49. Yeah, 49 you know, years old. I'll, be, I'll have AARP and be getting Social yeah. Security by the time I, uh, I retire from football, for God's yeah. sakes. I don't know. You know, these guys, I was discussing this with my family last night. It's not money. I no. don't think it's not, it's not money, money anymore. That's, uh, d- driving these guys, he's got gobs of money, uh, but I, I don't know if it's, it's. They would say, "Well, it's, it's a competitive ego. spirit." I think it's ego. That's you yeah. boil it down to ego. And Tom Brady's been a winner his whole life, and I think he really hates the idea that he didn't get to go out a winner. He wants to retire on the on the on the Super Bowl, uh, uh, yeah. you know, fifty yard line after winning the game and the MVP. I saw a sports guy today. Uh, on one of the cable news channels saying that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the personnel to get back to the championship game, if not the Super Bowl, again, and why not? Yeah. God. What Jeez. else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Right. I'm just follow tired his of the wife guy. Around, you know? Let him go and, and goodbye. Well, I, I, I've seen enough of Tom Brady to last yeah, me a lifetime. Right, and too. heard yeah. enough of him, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. Guys, have a terrific day. Thank you. Will do. John Howell, again, you can hear him later this afternoon right here on 890 WLS. And a good morning to you. You know, you can join Bill O'Reilly live for the No Spin Zone at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan. It's coming up March 31st. Just go to WLSAM.com for tickets. The right side of the conversation starts at 6 p.m. March 31st with Bill O'Reilly. Tickets selling fast. Just head over to WLSAM.com and get yours today so it is uh maybe for some people it's the most wonderful time of the year i happen to be a big fan of march madness college basketball i like college basketball better than pro basketball because i think you know what what i have seen and experienced is you know there is a different passion to college basketball when you're not playing it for a paycheck and you're uh you're you're playing for your school and your teammates i think there's a exciting i never watch uh, professional basketball like yeah. very rarely do i take in a game if it's on but i tend to watch a lot of games during march madness because it's exciting 
Yeah. And It'd if be, you went to the college, even, even more, more exciting. exciting. You get you have something to root for. Yeah, you play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. It would be a nice way right. to put it. But uh, the Big Ten tournament, uh, first off, uh, congratulations. University of Illinois won the regular season uh, uh, championship. But then they have a tournament, uh, and the tournament didn't go so well. As uh, Illinois lost to Iowa on Friday. Um, that in and of itself, again, it didn't, it didn't hurt. Illinois' chances of making the tournament, they're in as a four seed. Uh, maybe they'd have been a three seed uh, if they'd have won the tournament, you know, maybe in there, uh, two on the outside. But it's kind of the um, the taunting and the back and forth, and maybe, dare I say, some of the fan behavior that has has taken the the headline. Coach Underwood um, had to, uh, to come out and had to actually um, address some of the the comments made by fans towards opposing players. Well, like taunts, really, during the game when they were playing Iowa, uh, and they were aimed at Iowa player Chris Murray, um, and some of the, you know, taunts were, why don't you go blank, kill yourself? After he missed a free throw. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. After I, you know, and, yeah. I, and I even asked, I, I, as I said, I don't watch much, so I'm like, is this a new thing or has so far let's start there. Has it always been this rough in the stands when there are games, especially when you're playing for the Big Ten Championship or, you know, March Madness? Because it seems Big to me rivalry games. Yeah, rivalry, but it seems like it's gotten a little bit out of hand. Well, I, I, I don't remember like everything else that, that apparently the line is moved. Uh, uh, you know, from from uh, you know wanting to argue with somebody uh, in the coffee shop, uh, uh, you know, and be videoed using profanities or racial yeah, epithets or whatever, yeah, yeah, to throwing things, and then you get into these these sports, and and you see um, kind of a decline in behavior, and I, I I don't know what to judge it against. I guess I'd say I don't have a there isn't a scale somewhere, but it does feel like it's it's more. More personal. personal, more, you know, yeah, more, I mean, and okay, booze, come on, we've heard booze Everybody, always. Everybody, you're going to get Because, you know, it used to bother me when I was younger and went to the games, like a, a, a baseball game. I'm like, what? What People are booing. They're yelling, what? <laughs> they do it I in thought, high school. Then I immediately felt bad for the other team, you know, yeah, Aww. so they do it, yeah, in high school, which I think is terrible, but okay, it's fine, we know. This is, go kill yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's... It's really crossing a line. And for, you know, let's face it, we're talking about some fans. Not, I, not all fans, all. right? Not yeah. All. yeah. And those fans should be, I, I feel like they should be identified and, and removed. I mean. Well, and I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to what do you, the other fans, accept? Do you, do you accept fans of your team, you know, co-fans crossing that line because i really think there's like a self-policing that needs to go on if if you're unwilling to say hey 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 hey, 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 yeah knock it off right that come on hey i'm wearing the same jersey you are we're cheering we're cheering for illinois the same but come on it's it's freaking 18 year old kid calm down and he missed a free throw that was it that was the that's uh, outrageous 312-591-8900 what do you guys think i mean is it out of control? Should we be reining it in a little bit more? And whose job is it to do that? As you said, the, your class, your you know, students sitting next to you, absolutely. But it can't just be all on them. I've been warned by a referee for, with ejection. But I want to think that it was because I was too funny. Oh, yeah? So I was at a pro game. This was a big Phoenix Suns, let's go, Portland Trailblazers. Okay? 
And there was a player on the Trailblazers that had those, um, I call them baby dreadlocks, you know, the little baby dreads. It's, it was a, it's a style. And uh, he was at the free throw line. And I said, I have trouble picking you out of a room full of porcupines. Okay, I thought it was funny. The referee literally comes over and says, another one like that and you're gone. I go, porcupine remarks? Really? Have you seen his hair? I didn't, come on. So I got warned for porcupine. I think it's because I'm just too funny. Well, I mean, I think the referee's mother was a porcupine, so he might probably have taken, there was there was something know, along a those bit lines. Exception to that. Yeah. I, I'm still trying to figure out why you would yell that. It's I, it's the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. You look like a porcupine. All right. Yeah. I would. I would. Yeah. Eject you for not having, not being more creative. Oh, it's it was wildly creative. Mm. I got a huge. I got a huge laugh out of the crowd. Mm. I think maybe that's also why, the referee came over and warned me. Zanies is down the street, buddy. Get out of here. Another one like that, you're out. That, to me... But I'm like, I didn't... I wasn't being racial. But you were being personal. Why were you being personal? It's a game. It was his hair. I know, but it's a game of basketball. You know, that to to me would bother me. Yeah. I would have been like, hey. I came up with hey, you once. you, shut again. up. I was trying to get thrown out, but I, I didn't eventually get thrown out. I, you were trying to razzle him so he would yeah. miss the free throw. That was the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. That's why we yell at him. We used to hold up posters and things like at college games in the student section and whatnot. I remember uh, we, there was one player for UCLA, his name escapes me, who was always crying into the refs. And so we had a whole section where we brought Kleenex. And we would we would toss every See, time he would do it. We'd start mean. tossing Kleenex. Here you go. Keep whining. Very concerned about what's going on in Ukraine. Even if you don't have friends or family there or ties to the country, just watching some of this and hearing the stories can be absolutely heartbreaking. Joining us right now with the latest on the situation is ABC News's Aaron Katursky. Uh, Aaron, uh, glad that you're you're back safely in the United States. We we talked to you in Lviv uh, for for a couple weeks now out. There there and it seemed to me like the fighting was getting kind of closer and closer and closer are there any safe places left in ukraine i oh i mean there are safer places i would think uh, but you know we know the fighting has been concentrated in in the east and around the capital and then in the south southern uh, black sea coast but but really the answer no is because we see now that the russians are willing to uh to to escalate beyond those areas and strike occasionally, and and not with the same um, same kind of barrage, but but strike into the West now. And we saw that with a, an airstrike on a military base that's been used by NATO forces in the past to train with the Ukrainians. There were no uh, international forces there when the strike occurred on Sunday, but there were foreigners there, uh, mm. kind of training with this ad hoc foreign legion, as the you know foreign fighters have been invited to come join the Ukrainians in the fight, but no formal armies were there. And it seems like we are hearing also that there have been strikes on, you know, more civilian-based uh, areas, in particular like a hospital, and now we're, we're just hearing that this this pregnant woman that we, we all saw to being taken out on a stretcher um, has died. Oh, isn't that terrible? I mean, just awful. The, the, um, the, the maternity hospitals, schools, uh, residential buildings... They, uh, they've just been racking up the, the civilian targets. And this was what had been feared and what had come to fruition, that, uh, you know, as the, the operation to potentially take the capital was bogged down and the Ukrainians put up a rather impressive resistance, the, uh, the, the fear was is that, you know, the Russian forces would simply lash out indiscriminately. And that's what appears to have occurred 
you know, more recently. And, and there is no, um, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be any, any, any stop to it or any limit to what the, the Russians will hit. ABC News is Aaron Katursky uh, joining us right now, uh, having just been in Ukraine, uh, now back in the United States. But, you know, we also got the uh, the news of, uh, of, of journalists, um, if not specifically being targeted, certainly uh, being in the line of fire to the point that even uh, um, a U.S. journalist, a photojournalist documentarian um, was, was killed over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody working for uh, Time magazine who had also done work for The New York Times in the past. Um, and, and, you know, this is I don't think this was a deliberate strike on a, on a journalist, but it was, you know, clearly he was in an area that was being uh, that was being targeted outside of Kiev as the as the Russian advance toward the capital, you know, moves ever closer. Um, it's a as you say, it's a dangerous place. And uh, it, it's for civilians, for for journalists, for anybody who's in who's in that area. Uh, you know, the, the Russians say they're using precision weapons, but they're not always as precise as mm. you'd hope them to be. And, and this journalist, do we know exactly how he was killed? Uh, I, I think he was hit, you know, in, in, in just caught on the in the fire. But I haven't. Um, yeah, they were in a car the, driving across a bridge. That, that So was it wasn't him. a bombing. It was more um, a gunfire. Uh, I, I, truthfully, I'm sorry. I don't know. Mm, I, yeah. I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't followed that. Well, I guess in any but... case, it's it's dangerous. No matter where you are, no matter yeah. that you are oppressed. We've seen the press with the big, you know, word written right across their chest. Doesn't usually, seem to press. matter to them. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, you're still in a war zone, and things are still going to happen. Aaron, I got a question. You know, we're hearing more and more about um, foreigners, uh, non-Ukrainians. I, I guess I should say showing up. Uh, joining the fight and maybe on both sides i mean you know going back to 2014 there were foreigners showing up to join the russian side if you will um are we seeing more of that and and what does that look like i i keep hearing americans heading that direction there are some uh and you know it, they've been warned against it but uh there are some that that want to go and join the fight they uh, often are retired u.s military uh and you know, this is kind of what they what they know. They have been invited by the Ukrainians to join this kind of foreign legion, which uh, has been training on the outskirts of, of Lviv, at the, including at this base that was was hit. And, and we know a number of Americans were evacuated to Poland after uh, so many were wounded in that strike. But the um, you know, the Ukrainians have encouraged it. Uh, other countries have not. Uh, and in, in, the, in the case of the Russians, the um uh, they've gone out and and tried to ask other countries for help. Uh, there's word they've asked the Chinese for help. They've tried to recruit Syrians to to come in and fight. The, the, this happens, but um, in, in this case, the it, it doesn't speak too well of the, the Russian military effort if they're having to. I think, you know, contract with the Syrians to try and get them to, to fight their battle. Yeah, <laughs> I, that, that's very un- unusual to me, Aaron, because, I mean, didn't we start this saying, you know, Ukraine was going to be no match for Russia and its mm. its military force? What what happened? Well, I think, look, the, uh, the, the let's yet see. I mean, it, it, it the Russian advance has clearly been slowed, but it has not been stopped. Uh, and and the Ukrainians, I think, put up a better resistance than than the Russians may have anticipated. Uh, they've also resorted to 
and I think we've talked about this before, uh, something of an insurgency where you're, you know, yes. you're, you're, you're mining streets and, and you're building Molotov cocktails and you have those ready for any kind of a, you know, street to street fight. And the Syrians would be um, well uh, familiar Burst. with that kind of uh, with that kind of insurgency. So the, the um, and we had also talked, I think, about some of the Russian conscripts just mm-hmm. not being into this uh and and not you can imagine why like, this is their fight <laughs> yeah yeah or, or being lied to or told they didn't even know why they'd shown up for lack of better terms aaron really appreciate your time today thank you so much and by the way we're really glad you're you're home safe thanks very much appreciate that yeah he's yeah. abc news is aaron katursky uh on the latest coming out of there i think you know one of the one of the things that this has taught me and i think there's a lot of parallels when you watch when you look at what's going on in ukraine um, and you can make parallels to, let me throw Afghanistan in there. People fighting for their own home, people fighting for their country tend to be a hell of a lot more committed. They've got nowhere else to go, I guess might be a nice way to put it, than in, in, in occupying or invading armies. You, you know, and, and I think the Russians are finding out that a lot of Ukrainians are perfectly willing to fight it out to the death on their own street corner, you know, and they weren't planning for that. They thought they would give up when a tank rolled right, in. They would just walk right in and take over. As opposed to throw Molotov cocktails at the darn thing. And I wonder how much the um, the protests back at home are are having an impact on, on uh, Putin. You know, I just, because that's got to be something that he never anticipated either. Well, they're just Maybe arresting a little bit. them all. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just the fact that they're doing it. Yeah. You know, it's, not, not that, used it's to that. big. They're yeah. not used to that. And, and I wonder if that's throwing him for a loop and he just feels like he's getting it on all sides. You know, one of the things I think that is, is disconcerting, you know, that, that you could also point out that uh, Russia announced that it would consider foreign shipments of weapons to Ukraine as legitimate targets to attack anyone sending foreign shipments of weapons to Ukraine. By the way, that's us uh, mm-hmm. and all of Europe. <laughs> Just get, like, you know, uh, we'd be pointing out the other day, the Swedes, uh, you know, yeah. when you've ticked off the Swedes, Sweden was sending anti-tank weapons. Yeah, well, it's just another know? tactic to, you know, get everyone to stop helping Ukraine. Yeah. Not going to work. I, I was going to say, uh, but, uh, how much, uh, you know, how far are we willing to go? And think about these foreign fighters. When we get words of, of, of Americans that are maybe kidnapped or, or, or captured in war, um, because the Russians have said you, mercenaries will not be afforded POW status. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? You know, could, will there be... What's the designation? Will that change kind of American calculations? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know at this point. Good morning to you. A happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. And, uh, oh, the weather is at least cooperating a little bit. Back to what we would call normal for March because Saturday was not normal. Saturday was brisk. Saturday was brutal. And uh, uh, it, it didn't stop thousands of people from coming down and watching the dying of the river. I got right in the middle of it all. By the way, some nut jumped in. To the some, river? Some nut. Well, he's the guy who dies in it. his skivvies. <laughs> jumped over the railing right after they'd done the green, right over here underneath the uh, Columbus Bridge, and pfft, in he goes. Oh my God! I was like, who fished him out? I don't know. I didn't stick around to watch. I'm like, you good? Nice knowing you. Yikes! Yeah. That water had to have been pretty cold. Absolutely.
Yeah, I mean, talk about your polar plunge. A green sure polar plunge. Are you he wasn't a plumber? No, he was just Did a guy. Did not look like a plumber. Uh, although I, I will Did acknowledge maybe I, I don't he know what, a plumber. what all plumbers <laughs> look like these days. There was a there was the boat full of the plumbers, the local. They were there. They had they had a band on board and everything. They were having a hell of a time. Hell of a time. But uh, yeah. It, yeah, it, it's a party on the river up. for sure. And, and by the way, you can still see the river and it's still green. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll Very be like much that green. for a few days. Very much so. Um, are you suffering from headline stress disorder? All right. Maybe we need to define what that is first. Headline stress disorder basically are the constant breaking news, headlines, worries about nuclear war, price of gas, <laughs> call it whatever you want. War, gas, groceries, COVID, the weather. Hello. I mean, everything. Are they causing you? more stress than maybe even realize there's actually something out there called headline stress disorder for certainly uh we would call you and and if you're listening to wls you're probably along the lines of a high um high consumer of news and information you're interested in in the headlines you're interested in the stories going on around you um and it is interesting uh because I know this this is a real thing and it's amazing. Absolutely. It makes you anxious at the very least. This the distri- the distribution of this frightening news, which by the way, most of it is, most of it 99%. You almost don't need to make it worse. Yeah, and you don't have to be a, a consumer of news either. Any put on any of your electronics. It they're there. It's there. It's headline after headline after headline. Well, when you hear things you can't get like, away from it. like uh, um, uh, Russia and Ukraine fighting out uh, in and around nuclear power plant. I mean, yeah, I get, I, that's a, that doesn't need any hype. Like that, can, that's not good. No, you, you don't yeah. need to be an expert to go. That sucks. Um, everything. I mean, I, I, there. How many times do you have the news on the actual news, and there, there's a scroll at the bottom, uh, you know, and there are breaking always. news somewhere. They're live, and the scroll is like tornado warning in your area. Yeah. I mean, it's Martians not, attack. It, there's so much information that it's overload. So it's interesting because I, I had a friend who suffered from this, and I, you say undiagnosed in the sense, but I know that, that she was overwhelmed by this. And it was really interesting because I said, okay, so what are you doing to deal with it? And she said, I got, I got rid of all of the email, text, phone alerts from news so that I wasn't, because she goes, I realized every time like my phone vibrated or I got a beating, you know, from from CNN, from Fox, from your blood AP. pressure. First of all, uh, you, well, it was up. never good. It, yeah. was, it was never. Your heart a, hey, racing. by the way, it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. That was never what the alert was. It always was something more negative and and difficult. And so she said, I, I got rid of all of those. When when I got rid of all of them. Uh, it brought my level of stress down. Guess what? The news was still going on. Uh, the, the world was still going to hell in a handbasket, for lack of better terms. But I wasn't uh, jumping to it every time. I worked in news most of my career. I left my job because I had had enough. That was a big part of why I left. It was time. It was, you know, it's always good timing, right? I had been, I've done, I did it for 30 years. But that was one of the main issues I had. 
I was coming home every night. And it's so funny. I never realized this until I was picking my son up from the uh, train every day when he's got his first job, just like, you know, like 2020. He's like, do you ever listen to the radio? Like, it was so foreign to him that he would get in the car, <laughs> it would be dead quiet. And I realized, no, I don't. Yeah. Because I would leave my job, I would never think of putting the radio on. I just couldn't. There's so much chatter already that I was trying to get rid of in my head. But that was a big part. The doomsday news mm. got to me. And it was enough. I, I, You know, it's so stressful, especially for someone who works in the industry, let alone someone who's just listening to it. And then I think about younger people. That's all they do is consume information. Yeah. That's all. How? I don't see how that doesn't have an effect. Maybe not right away. Maybe they don't even realize it. But it has to have an effect. Doomsday, doomsday, doomsday. Bad news, bad news, bad news. It, 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 there's got to be a breaking point. Well, it's everywhere. And if you, uh, you know, have... if, you, if you if you go on like TikTok, you know, oh, the kids absolutely. Today, the TikTok is not just people dancing; it's news, it's Ukraine, it's you know, there there's mm-hmm. there's there's a barrage of images and reports and things that have infiltrated even that app, if you will. Right, and if you have a diagnosed disorder, uh, oh my gosh, it's ten times worse. If you have you know, anxiety or depression or some kind of a mental illness, and you're getting this barrage on a constant, but you know, constantly daily. It's got, it's got to, it's got to take an effect. Hey, Rob in Evergreen Park, what's your point? Yeah, I just wanted to mention, like, you know, all the things that we turn to to get away from hard news, like sports, oh and sure, other things. It was like now I'm seeing the same thing I was trying to get out of. You know, oh. it's like all of a sudden they're talking about this hard news, or you watch ESPN. Or all the other outlets, they didn't. They weren't just neutral to sports anymore. It was like political sports. Good and point. Like you could never get a break. And it's but like, even oh. even you, you can't even get a break. Like there was there was a feel good story over the weekend, but it still it was a, a soccer story where a Ukrainian player scored a goal, like his first goal. It was like, and it's this big emotional thing. But again, it it kind of drew me right back to, oh yeah, I'm watching soccer and there's a bleeping war going on. You, you know what I'm saying? Like everything ties you back into some sort of uh, uh, these doomsday s- stories. Right. You're, I was watching that, that Russian skater and it's like, uh, bashing her and I knew everything, but I'm like, she's 15. And I see her crying with this teddy bear and I'm like, <laughs> where's the human element mm. there? You know, whatever happened... Yeah, but she's still 15. She's a kid. Yeah. It's a good but you can't get away from it. Yeah. You can't it can't yeah. escape it in any way shape or form. Good morning and happy Monday to you. Here's what's coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. A dozen city council members are calling for a no firing promise as Mayor Lightfoot places vax, unvaccinated police officers and other city employees on no pay status starting today. We're going to be talking with Alderman Ray Lopez just after 7:45. And CPS planning to shake up its enrollment for selective schools, but how will it make it more equitable for lower-income students? And how will this affect academic competition? We'll talk about that at 7.30. And March Madness has arrived. We'll talk with our sports betting guru about how you can make a few bucks at the big dance in just a few minutes. But first, Uber is adding a surcharge to cover for high gas prices, making us wonder if electric vehicles might become the standard even sooner. But are electric vehicles really the future? And how much is it all going to cost? You know, the issue with Uber is is interesting because, like I've told you before, as someone who uses it, it's been getting 
difficult to even find at times, that there are challenges finding the ride. I wonder if the high price of gas and now adding a fuel sur- sur- fuel surcharge, pardon me, um, is going to be even more difficult. If the price keeps going up and it's harder to find them, will customers go elsewhere? You know, I, I yeah, mean, there I, are options. It's not like it's a huge amount, 45 to 55 cents per ride. But, you know... Just one more thing. People people who are at these counting their dollars at, at these times, it, it might mean a lot. Yeah. So I I, I, I don't like the idea and of a fuel surcharge. By the way, it's one more thing that's making my blood pressure higher. But they should just they should just work it into the price. Like why do we have to have a surcharge? Like I feel like I'm getting fees. Here's why. Left. Because it's a temporary fee. Oh, God. <laughs> we in Chicago know about temporary fees. They become permanent. They never go away. They just don't go away. And that's how they become permanent. So, you know, and that's what I always say about this. It's like, all right, if we have to band together and, and, you know, pay this extra money and just for the time being, you know, kind of like just to get by. We're all in it together. We're all in it. But it never goes back. Yeah. You know, I'm the one always willing to say, all right, you know, I'll pay my fair share if it's going to help. As long as it's temporary, but I've learned my lesson. I, I don't. I don't buy it. I don't get to charge a fuel surcharge. Yeah. Uh, well, now the only good thing about this, again, I'm trying to look for the positive. It goes directly to the driver, which it should, of course. You know what I mean? It's not like Uber's charging it because they're the ones paying, of course, for the higher gas. And when you think about it, of course, it's going to go up. I, I assumed it would go up. Why wouldn't it? That they're they're a driving service. Gas is outrageous. Um, you got to believe that the the rising price of gas, though, it has absolutely cut right into Uber drivers' uh, profits, into their profit margin. Uh, we know that they're not, you know, necessarily, you know, getting rich off of each ride. Uh, rich, uh, our friend here, our Uber driver, right here in Chicago. Rich, what are you getting from uh, from corporate? So. I got an email on Friday from them saying that, that starting today they would give us fifty five cents per ride. Per ride. For the gas searcher. Per ride. Okay. Interesting. Which I thought they should it should be a dollar fifty. Okay. Okay. Because I mean yeah, if you're looking at the extra price, I mean your car what, is it you know, thirty miles to the gallon, twenty five miles to the gallon? Well, you know. I'm eh. lucky so I get forty eight. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is this ha- this is cut into your like I mentioned your profit margin, right? Oh, one hundred percent. I went from a hundred dollars a week in fuel to two fifty. Oh my! Ooh. So, okay. how many more rides do you have to do to to make that up? <laughs> well, it probably cost you more. Yeah. Okay. An extra six. Good nice. Night. Yeah, and that's where we we run into this, Rich. And and is it is it? Do you get a sense that it's running some people out, or are some Uber drivers or, or rideshare drivers, or even Uber Eats? Are they just saying, I, I even with the fifty five cents that you mentioned, I can't I can't make the ends meet. I I do notice that there are a lot less Uber drivers now because they just because whatever vehicle they had, they just can't afford it. They're not going to spend four hundred dollars a week on gas. Yeah. I've told you, you know, I've, I've struggled to find riders, uh, to find drivers, and that, you know, I'll go on the app and it, you know, it does everything but laugh at me when I say, is there a driver nearby? You know, I, I just, uh, I, I get a sense that the, that the industry is changing a little and high gas prices certainly can't help. Right. Yeah. Well, Rich, appreciate it's, your, uh, it, oh, go ahead. 
it I mean, once the price comes down, if it ever, then you'll get the Uber riders, uh, drivers will come back. They'll come back in to the to the biz. All right. Appreciate it, Rich. Thank you. Um, yeah. You got to imagine. I mean, Uber it. was a great job when it first started. People were really raking in the dough. But they really, they it, changed the they, they, compensation or the percentages. They, Uber changed that. Well, and it's just everyone flocked to Uber, right? It was like this new concept and it was a great concept when you think about it. Yeah. And I just, oh, you know, the it's nobody's fault. It's higher gas prices. And I feel like they just recently raised rates. Is that true? You take the Uber more than I well, do. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, there is no set rate, though. But Uber, you know, they... they I've never taken... The, the I've never got the same rate. price for the same ride. It well, changes how, constantly. Really? Isn't oh. there a base rate they go by? They, uh, they not ch- to my knowledge. Well, I take it to the Uber airport. I've, just I've try- taken Uber to the airport... I'd say 50 times, and I guarantee I haven't paid the same price ever. So do the drivers make their own rates? No. The algorithm makes the rate, and it has to do with distance, traffic, time. Oh, okay. Well, that's why you're, it's everything. always different. Right. Yeah. There's always a different. Okay, it takes I mean, into account a variety of it's things. It's a set thing. It's not like the drivers are just saying, oh, okay, 30 no. bucks. No. Okay. Yeah, no. It's, the driver doesn't get And you choose. know ahead of time, which is nice, too, because no. sometimes you could... Depending on, I guess, what the car is, what the drive. That's always amazing to me well, that I, there are different rates. I How landed, long do you want to wait? I landed at O'Hare, and I was trying to get an Uber at one thirty in the morning, and it said it was one hundred and five dollars back to. Oh, it was one thirty in the morning to and Chicago. I said, yeah, I can't. I like it's a matter of principle at that point. I, I yeah, I can't do that. I can't. I'd rent a car for less and just so drive what it did one you way. Do? I got a cab. Taxi, yeah. And flat, that was a flat rate. Flat rate, forty bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think cabs are cheaper than Uber now. Well, I wonder if, you know, when you see the price of gas, and again, what is the average here? We're getting around 450s, you know, but other places you've seen the sixes, God forbid, $7 a gallon Mm -hmm. for gas. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really going to make, drive people towards electric vehicles, right? But here's the problem. Good luck finding one. Like, if you decided today the price of gas is too high, I need to get an electric car, I would only tell you, you're six months behind everybody else that figured out, geez, I need an electric car, the price of gas is going up. Well, let me tell you this. Tesla is reporting a 100% increase in orders in some areas of the U.S. In orders, of course, in orders, because they don't have the cars either. They don't have them. They don't have them ready. And so there's there's an issue with, even if you wanted to try and drive past the gas station and giggle and wave at people filling up uh, because you have an electric car, good luck finding one. And then used ones, oh, my God, they're going for more than the new. It's incredible. And I, it's still so new to me being the driving the the gas guzzler car. You know, the electric cars, it's still, it's been around for a long, you know, pretty yeah, many years, years, not yeah, 10 years. 10, but really? I think this, this is the pinnacle. This is what's going to push that industry. So? I think so. I think I'm going to be left in the dust now. I'm going to be the one with the gas car and everyone else is going to have at least a hybrid. I mean, even mm-hmm. hybrids, like almost everyone I know has a hybrid. But, but, because yeah, they can't, yeah, they can't mileage, go yeah. overboard. They can't go all the way across the line. We're not but going that far. Yeah, but yeah. So being in the market for a new car, probably in the next year, I'm, I keep thinking about it. Like I, do I just get an all electric car? And and because I think I'm going to be left behind. Well, the manufacturers like what Ford, GM, Cadillac have uh, like a lot of, and, and then foreign ones have said, well, we're only going to be making electric cars in the next couple of years. Like we're going to stop making 
gas cars? G- gas or diesel cars soon. Oh, I, I mean, guess you the won't decision even, is made yeah, for me Yeah, you then. may not have a choice. I mean, if you want a specific brand of car, they, you, you may... There's some of them that they won't give you an option. Yeah, and just... So think about it. It took 10 years to get to this point where... There are there are very few, you know, electric uh, charging stations around, right? I mean, there are other there, but I don't see them everywhere. This I think I you'd think, see them if you had an electric car. Oh, maybe. And, and you're right. I just you're see not them looking at the mall. for them. Yeah, but I mean, this is I think this is the we're at the pinnacle here, and it's everything's going to change. Yeah, the electric car industry. Bruce and Judy with you in March Madness, kind of officially upon us now. We've got uh, play-in games coming up in just a couple days, and then full-blown tourney. Coming on this weekend, and it is amazing the amount of money that is bet on March Madness. There is no official number, as you can imagine, but the estimates are around $10 billion is bet in some way, shape, or form on and around the NCAA uh, um, tournament. It is a staggering amount, and it's something where people who maybe haven't watched a college basketball game all year suddenly really, really care. Really are into it now as the tournament it's the is upon us. the only time I bet. Yeah, and, and you can bet. You can fill out a bracket. I, I'm pretty sure it's illegal, though, what I was doing with the... You know, you get that. That's the bracket thing, yeah. The bracket thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go with bracket thing. Danny Burke is joining <laughs> us right too now. Much. Uh, host of VSEN's Bet on Chicago right here on 890 WLS. Danny, it's uh, Christmas, New Year's, your birthday all rolled into one, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it, it, it's a whole mix of everything. It's the best time to get involved with sports. I mean, you get the Super Bowl, which is like the greatest one day of it, but the tournament, you get several days. So, I mean, it's just one of the most exciting times in our business. And like you said, people who don't really care get involved. Now it's the time to do so. Now, we say that, and I'm just going to, as a guy who understands sports betting like you do, you probably kind of like the idea that a bunch of amateurs show up and start throwing money around on their alma mater, even though they're 100 to 1 odds to win. That's actually a very good point. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. Look, the only time, truthfully, that a singular game gets affected saying like the betting odds will shift because of the public is the Super Bowl but in a sense because of the high volume for March Madness you'll see a little bit of an impact or you can kind of just have the old adage of fading the public because everybody likes to joke the house always wins which to a certain extent is true Mm -hmm. but you're right I mean at the same time you can kind of see a matchup where everybody likes a popular team but if the market being the betting odds are going the other way, you're going, all right, something's a little bit fishy here. Maybe I'll go against the grain and you kind of see an opportunity here. And when it's something like this, like you're saying, where people go, oh, I, you know, my college is in it. I'm just going to hammer, like, take, for example, the University of Illinois. Sure. I mean, everybody wanted them to, you know, go crazy in this tournament and last year and then this year, too. And they're an early exit in the conference tourney. So it, it's going to be a tough road. But that absolutely happens within your state with one of their favorite teams. Yeah. So, Danny, let me ask you this. Uh, How many times has the Big Ten champion won the tournament? I say Um, that because I'm an Iowa girl. (laughs) Uh, Like, it's been quite some time since we've had a Big Ten representative go all the way. But, hey, your Hawkeyes, I mean, how about it? Their squad, if they can hit their shots from deep, they can hang with anybody. That's why, you know, I'm... I'm talking to people, and I'm thinking, you know, who could be maybe a dark horse contender? And you obviously have your number one seed every single year. That's the obvious answer. But 
I feel like Iowa kind of got a little bit of the shaft with their seeding after winning the tournament. I, I thought they were going to be a little bit higher. But, look, this team has just as much of a chance as anybody if I'm going a little bit outside of the norm of thinking the top seeds. I think Iowa actually stacks up favorably, uh, favorably well. So I kind of like your Hawkeyes going pretty deep this year. We need another Big Ten school to come through for us, huh? Yeah. Hey, we're talking again to Danny Burke, host of Eason's Bet on Chicago right here on 890 WLS. You can hear him uh, every weekend. And isn't that kind of part of the, the, the challenge? If you, if you just uh, bet on the number ones, there's not much upside. The, the whole trick to this is finding that 12 seed that goes on a run, the Cinderella, if you will. Are you willing to give us a little tip as to what your Cinderellas are this year? Yeah, you know, and it's funny you kind of say that in terms of, like, betting these futures. At this point, unless you're really committed to it, I would probably just go on a game-to-game basis. I think at this point in the season, that might be a little bit better strategically because you got to take it game-by-game, matchup-by-matchup. You get an idea of what teams are going to stand out versus the others. And there's always kind of like that Cinderella team that – just seems to randomly come about. I mean, some people might predict it, but in this large of a field, I feel like the value you're getting now, of course, maybe wouldn't be as valuable in itself as it would a month, two months ago. But, you know, looking a little bit deeper into this term, I I wanted to say Virginia Tech, but they kind of got a tough draw right out the gate. And obviously what they were able to do in the ACC tournament was very impressive. But again, you know, like a team like Iowa, I think, can make a deep run. Um, looking at some other squads uh, uh, around the way, you know, sticking out to me besides that, I Purdue seems like you would. I mean, anytime you got a seven foot four guy, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It is basketball. Go for the tall guy. I know, right. And so, like, to be quite honest with you, I'm not in love with any team that's about a seven seed or lower. So, I don't want to just throw out one per se just to do it because I do think this season is a little bit top heavier. But Mm -hmm. look, we're talking about the Big Ten. They got, what, nine teams going into this tournament. So, I I think you you can't go wrong with a team like Purdue, a little bit longer shot than Iowa. Those would be my top of the list, Big Ten wise. Okay, you know, I just hear white noise when you guys talk about that. I said I was an Iowa girl, and that what I mean is my son went to the University of Iowa, so now I love Iowa. I will bet on Iowa, and I will bet on Illinois because I live in Illinois. And isn't that how most people do it? Yeah, and that's pretty much what we were saying, right? I mean, you know, for people who maybe aren't in love with the sport or in the sense of don't follow it religiously, and I'm not saying I'm necessarily someone like that, but people love to obviously root for the team they're familiar yeah. with. Mm-hmm. It's an their school, their time. state. They wanna, exactly. They want to get in in the action, and they want to go with what they know. And I'm not saying Illinois is a bad chance or a bad outlook, but, look, no team that's lost their first game in their conference tournament has won the big dance. So I'd Ooh. say maybe be a little bit cautious because yes. okay. of that. They do have the roster to do it. Yeah. That stat historically kind of scares me away a little Hey, bit. Danny, they're going to run into my Arizona Wildcats, though, uh, yes. if they hey, want to go. I so Arizona. Yeah. They're looking great. Yeah, my cat's looking pretty solid. Danny, thank you for your time. Thanks, Danny. Yeah. Of Best course, of guys. luck to you. Thank you. You guys as well. All righty. He's Danny Burke, host of VSIN's Bet on Chicago. Uh, you can hear it right here on 890 WLS. And again, it's pretty solid. If you're going to do betting, do game to game because you, you just never know. And you get one of these Cinderella's that can just blow up an entire bracket. You know? uh, Loyola. Yeah. Well, yeah Loyola's in go. it this time. Yeah, yeah we'll I know. See. When they say Cinderella, I always think of Loyola. And Loyola, hey, you're, you're Loyola Chicago.
Taking on Ohio State in the first round? I'll bet on them, too. No? No, don't you worry. I got hey, a little something to you. Happy oil. Monday. You know you can join Bill O'Reilly live for the No Spin Zone at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan on March 31st. Just head over to WLSAM.com for tickets. The right side of the conversation starts at 6 p.m. That's March 31st, all right, with Bill O'Reilly. Tickets selling fast. Hey, you need all the details? You want to get them? No problem. Go to WLSAM.com and get yours today. Listen, the, the issues with education in and around Chicago uh, is a whole discussion uh, in and of itself. We know that we have a lot of struggling slash, I'll call them failing schools out there, but we also have some really, really good ones, especially these uh, many of these selective enrollment schools. Think Walter Payton Prep is a, gr- a great example of it. But it's also real hard to get into them. And the bar has been getting higher and higher and higher to the point that I think you could make a, a solid argument that a lot of people who academically might benefit from that and and would qualify for it can't get through the system can't jump through all of the hoops maybe like some other other families and other kids can so they're looking to change how they basically select kids for these top performing schools right so currently about 30 percent of seats are awarded strictly based on a student's test scores and grades. That's in seventh grade. Okay. So those seats have have predominantly gone to affluent white and Asian American students. Even though, as we know, black and Latino students make up the majority of the district's student body. You know, one of the issues with the testing is that there is test prep that you have to have money <laughs> you right. know, to pay for. Absolutely. And, and so and so is are the tests themselves kind of weighted towards families who either have the money or have parents that put a real value on education and want to invest in things like test prep for a seventh grader. Right, because about eighty five percent of those of that thirty percent go to families in more affluent areas. You know, in schools. So, yeah. yeah. Then the remaining 70% of the seats are divided among, um, you know, four different tiers. And it's it's academic, it's uh, income, ownership rates, education levels, and admissions. I mean, it's... So, I don't know. I kind of look at this because there is something to be said about grades, right? You got... That's sure, what it's you about. you still need the grades. But on the other hand, we understand the culture and the socioeconomic problems in chicago so you have to you know make allowances for that but i feel like i don't know 30 percent. okay then the other 70 percent is wide open because now they want to remove that 30 percent and just make it distributed equally mm-hmm. and maybe it will just and so maybe that is the right course because maybe in the long run it will even itself out you'll still get your students who are have the best grades as well as the students who maybe have, you know, live in the worst low-income areas and but still have good grades, just don't have the means. Well, because we, we saw this with things like um, ACT and SAT scores for colleges running into something very similar, where if you go strictly by those, you have to also acknowledge then that some people spend thousands of dollars prepping for these tests uh uh, coaches uh, you know uh, teachers basically on how to take the test where others 
uh, just showed up with a pencil, <laughs> you know, number two pencil, and, and, and took the test. Don't forget those parents who also spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars and it didn't make a difference. Yeah, I mean, that would I be can... me. That would be me. I had a student who didn't change his score. As a matter of fact, he may have gone down. You say student. I'm assuming this is one of your sons. Maybe. Okay. Yes, one of my sons. <laughs> so one of my sons took it once, and he was like, I'm, I'm good. And then the other one, I was good with it. But his he was okay. Well, just kind of because he was the first one to take it. His dad wasn't, so we did all this help on the side, and it costs a lot of money, and it's a lot of time. And what does it do? It stresses your student out to no end, and then he mm. gets a lower score anyway. Yeah, I mean, dumb. I got I did a little bit of test prep. I did a practice test. You know, I paid to do a practice test somewhere, and it was the ACT. So I got I got twenty six. First go. And perfectly, per- acceptable. perfectly fine. Perfectly fine score. Some maybe above average. I don't really know what the average is. I think it's somewhere around like a nineteen or a twenty. Well, you're not going to Harvard with that score, but anyway. No, certainly I was never going anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, I did like a class or something, and I, when I took it again, I got a twenty-eight, and that was my final score. So I only got two points up. It's not going to suddenly make your test score go it's, through but the that's roof, not even but, not the point it's that you have the means to do it uh, yeah exactly yeah. the means to do it can give you enough of that improvement to get you into maybe a slightly more competitive yeah school. or yeah or a disney or a walter payton yeah it makes difference and should it is the argument it no. is is should the family's ability because and let's take money out of it for a second because we all know and have been around and I say families, I'll say mom and dad, but it could be grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, where like education is a priority in the household, where maybe they're already college graduates in the household, you know, or or they have advanced degrees. And so there is a um, a priority set on education in the household. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily unfair, but but that that's going to you're going to churn out a different type of student in an environment like that where education is put on such a pedestal where in other households earning a living might have been a hell of a lot more important than education and yeah. and should the should the child suffer the effects of that wow now we're talking about like utopia here because that would be education for mm. all which is what it should be and it's not it's just not. I mean, you know, we can go on and on about how the taxes are divvied up and how, you know, different schools get more money and others don't. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the name of the school and shame on me. Urban Prep Charter School here in Chicago. Okay. All black. Mm-hmm. Every student goes on to college. Well, 100%, 100% go to college. 100% they graduate. They, yeah. I mean, so, and these are, a lot it's of solid. these kids are, and I don't mean to focus on the all black, they're low income, a lot of them. Yeah. So, I mean, it well, can mean be done. not smart. Right. It can be done. It's yeah. just, it, you have to look, I think, at education differently. Yeah. And, yeah, on the other hand, these people whose students go to the selective schools will say, hey, they're about, it, that's what it's about, grades. And our kids it work should be hard, the best of the best. The best of the best, right. And. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a hard it's a hard discussion to have, and it's a it's very difficult to to change. However, they are looking at it finally at CPS saying maybe this is. And you know, let's not forget the parents who get their kids in by whatever means, and that happens too. These well, schools are so so sought after that there have been you know some there's been corruption. I used I used to think. And and count me as one that thought test scores were the end all be all until I started to learn more about how 
out of whack test scores can be depending on how much money you put into into taking tests and the fact that maybe some people are better test takers than others and you know that that is that the um the fair judge if you will you know does it come down to that i mean do you want the smartest person to be in the room with you maybe not i want to sit behind them so i can see their paper i want to be able to look over their shoulder and copy off of them sometimes people who get you know, the the ones who get the perfect score on their SAT and ACT and no offense, they're great. But sometimes those people, they, you know, they can't cross the street. Well, they don't, you know, they don't look both ways. They don't get a date to prom. I know that. So you've got to have. They're sitting at home on prom night. Hey, home on prom night. They're in the library. Nah, they're the library. So, you know, there's that. You have, yeah, well-rounded people, well-rounded. You don't just eat one thing, right? We eat a lot of things. C's get degrees city employees and that is to avoid going on no pay status currently there are 2,967 police officers who are not vaccinated and have not applied for a medical or religious exemption so is today the day that mayor lightfoot starts putting these officers and other city employees if we're going to be fair on no pay status. Joining us right now, representing the 15th Ward, is our friend Alderman Ray Lopez. Alderman Lopez, good morning. Alderman Lopez? Are you there? Top of the morning. Top of the morning. <laughs> top of the morning to you. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, and a happy St. Patrick's Day uh, uh, to you as well. Alderman Lopez, where do you come Where do you come down on this now? Uh, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, we don't know exactly how she's going to proceed, but this was the day that uh, they circled on the calendar. Should, should the mayor start putting these police officers, and to be fair, some other city employees and other departments, on no pay status starting today? No, today's date was completely arbitrary. The December, the original reporting deadline and every other deadline since have been completely arbitrary. As the Commissioner of uh, Human Resources stated uh, during our budget hearings last year, there's no scientific reason for these deadlines other than the fact that the mayor has drawn a line in the sand. And I and nearly a dozen aldermen asked her to put in writing that she's not going to take any kind of disciplinary action or even termination against any of the city workers that have yet to engage in the in her portal uh, until we start incorporating all of the science. As we know now, the only two options that employees had was to say whether or not they vaccinated or not, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, we want the incorporation of natural immunity, which has been recognized by the CDC, to also be included in the portal because I think that will get those last stragglers to engage in the mayor's policy. Unfortunately, she refuses to acknowledge that, even though uh, that's an option that's being recognized by the, as I said, the Centers for Disease Control. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be an issue for us because you can't cherry pick science. It's either going to say we're going by the science, all the science, or you're not. But I mean, on the other hand, there, there were deadlines. She's already moved the deadline. I don't know how many times. So, you know... I mean, no, she didn't know the, thousands she didn't move of anything, Judy, really. This was always the deadline, March. But I mean, you guys no, went to she went to court. So she won the court case. I guess I'm looking at it as what about all the thousands and thousands, including police officers and other city workers who did follow the rules and get the vaccine? Well, you never had to get the vaccine. You had to get 
uh, December 31st deadline was you had to at least register what you what you did. Right. You had to say one way or the other. Right. And that was where people did not feel comfortable reporting their health information to a public portal where there was no guarantees on whether or not it was going to be accessible to the public or if it was safe from uh, security breaches. That's what first started this. And then there were issues of whether or not you had to mandatorily get vaccinated. And there were other issues and things of that nature where she refused to engage our labor leaders, um, refused to talk with our collective bargaining agreement holders to see what we can do to move forward in a way that works for everyone. She's been dictating from top down, and that is where many of us have had issues with, particularly when we've seen how generous and helpful she was to the Chicago Teachers Union, but then decided to not take that same kind of spirit of generosity and apply it to all the other uh, collective bargaining agreements under her purview. We're talking to Alderman Ray Lopez representing the 15th Ward, but part of a, a larger group of aldermen all asking the mayor to not put uh, these police officers and other city employees on any sort of unpaid leave or status or, or whatnot. I mean, this is this is a part of a bigger issue you have with the way the mayor manages people. Is that is that a fair way to put it, that it, it, everything seems to be a bit of a confrontation? I'd, see, I'd say that's a fair assessment. You know, Mayor Emanuel used to say, uh, let, never let a, a crisis go unused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Mayor Lightfoot says, never never live without a crisis. <laughs> um, because everything has to be in crisis mode for her to be able to operate. Hmm. And we were trying for months, even before all of these mandating issues came to the forefront, to get her to work with us, to work with departments, to work with uh, unions, to come up with strategies and policies that could work for everybody and made sense that was not her way it was her way or the highway and we've seen where that has taken us and though she says that uh, you can trust her and that there will be no immediate actions going coming forward we've seen where that trust has taken us in the past she's not very trustworthy when it comes to keeping her word Mm. and right now we do know that we're having an issue with uh, police officers leaving in droves every year we do know that even when it comes to basic city services, our garbage trucks, which used to have two guys on a truck walking down alleys, are now one-man trucks. Everything is suffering and will suffer more unless we come up with a common-sense approach to getting people either to vaccinate, to recognize whether or not they already have the antibodies, or to just come up with some sort of exemptions and protesting for them to continue on their daily routine. Alderman Lopez, are you concerned about uh, violence over the summer as it starts to get warmer? I'm concerned about the violence now. As Mm. we saw last night at Mm. 79th and Exchange, nine people shot because two guys got into a gun battle in the middle of the intersection. It's only 50 degrees out yesterday. Fair enough. We haven't even got to the good weather. And we know it's going to continue to escalate if we don't come up with a plan other than planting flowers and cutting vacant lots with our police officers. We must arrest, we must show accountability, and we must avoid the sense that just because, you, as Smollett's family says, you don't have to believe in someone's innocence to want them to be free, that is not criminal justice, and that's not how we should operate in the city of Chicago. And a good morning. Happy Monday to you. Here's what's coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Daylight savings time is upon us. 
are you getting in the spring of things? We're going to talk about it at 745. At 830, National Women's History Month continues as we talk with the creator of the Women's L Project. That's about the incredible stories of women around Chicago. And in just a few minutes, true crime fans can get their fix with a new season of True Conviction on Discovery. We're going to be talking with the host about the real-life cases you can help solve. But first, the Illini are headed to the dance as a number four seed, while the Loyola Ramblers snag a number 11 seed. Which team will you be watching? And are you excited for the dance this year? 312-981-8711. Where's that? Uh, how about three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred is is the number? So uh, listen, we are into it. The brackets are out right now, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking around the state, the Illini certainly have uh, at least by the rankings the best shot at going deeper into the tournament. And I think what helps the Illini this year is the bad taste that last year left in their mouth, going out early. Having a team that a lot of people thought was literally one of the best teams in college basketball, hopefully they take that chip on their shoulder and and move forward with it. Doesn't that happen all the time? The best team that you think is going to go all the way goes out in the first round. I mean, that's what the, to me, March Madness is about, the the underdog. You know, the the Cinderella, like you said, like Loyola. I always go back to Loyola because they just kind of do, 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 do. No one was paying much attention except for Sister Jean. And they got all the way up, you know, and that's what I love about it. I don't really care about the, oh, my God, the Michigans and the, you know, the ones who are always in the, the top four. You won't there. have to worry about Michigan yeah. this year. Oh, oh really? That oh, bad? Yeah, well, and here. I mean, I think North <laughs> isn't is Northwestern going? Or is no. there? OK, how about any other Illinois schools? Is that it? Yeah. Illinois and Loyola. That's it? That's it from Illinois. Right? No northern, southern, no. eastern, western. No. And those teams would have to win their, their conferences to get in mm-hmm. uh, with the automatic hey, bids. because SIU's been in it a couple times. Because Stay they're not going to get an at-large bid because they're not a basketball powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And by the way, Loyola is the only university in Illinois to have ever won an NCAA championship. The only one. You can certainly tell that? the alum around here, can't you? What, what Who, year was me? that? 1963. Oh, I was going to say Okay, sixties out. Okay, game of change. That was a lot. You know what they were doing? All black and white back then, right? Yeah, it wasn't. They didn't invent color yet when they were playing basketball back then. The ball, the ball was just black and white. That's when people still talk like this. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the Loyola Ramblers now. They're playing in 1963. Uh, The humanity of it all. Uh, Say. The uh, uh, again, I I got to tell you, I mean, Eli and I are number four. um, I'm glad they're not number one. Number four is better. They're not. Yeah. You know, we're well, not well, like, number oh, one last it's year. A they were in. one last year, yeah, and, and, there you go. and they they ran into a, a buzzsaw, you know, which mm-hmm. is their which is their problem out there. Uh, Illinois is looking good. I've got a good feeling about Illinois. So here is something though that 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 happened uh, last week and actually forced or or made um, the Illinois coach, Coach Underwood, apologize for. Um, Behavior of fans. Now, this happened in the Big Ten opener, the tourney opener, where uh, the Illini were playing um, Iowa. Okay? And some fans were taunting an Iowa player, and it went a little far. 
Yeah, uh, a little far. It went way over the line. They were taunting the uh, player, Chris Murray, uh, saying, you know, go kill yourself. Okay. After he missed, apparently missed a free throw. That's a little much. It's... It's horrible. Well, and they are kids, you know, and I, I wonder, you know, is, is, kids? is the line changing? College students? No. They're kids. They know better than, that's ridiculous. They no, know better than that. No, the players are kids. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And you're, you're taunting them with go kill yourself uh, seems to be a, a bit much. And are, are, have we lost the ability to, you know, yell at people without making it uh, violent or, or, or so uh, hurtful in, in ways? And this has always gone on. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like it's happening yeah. more often. Boo, you stink. You know, you couldn't throw your garbage away. Whatever. Couldn't Not, kick snow off a rope. You couldn't kick snow off a rope. You got hands like a digital clock. <laughs> now, see? Good, clean fun. Here's the thing. This is the what's so disturbing to me is that someone would even say that. I, Yell at a, I know at it's a player. A, it's a player. Say it to someone you whatever you don't know you do know the fact that you would even say those words. What is wrong with people? That's what I say to myself. It's not and we're yeah okay. It was an Illinois fan and you're you know what you've tarnished all Illinois fans now. Good for you. But it, just beyond that, what are you thinking? How does that? How are you raised that you think it's okay to say that to someone? Go kill yourself. Yeah, in this over day a and age, game. yeah. I mean, that's like what a you know, that's like what a three year old says. You know what I mean? If you're something like that, they would probably would never say those words. But it's just so ridiculous. You're you're a college student saying that at Illinois. And here's the thing, I personally, and I think a lot of people do. I hold the Big Ten teams in a little bit or twelve, whatever we're up to this. You know, this twelve is it? Big twelve. I hold them to a higher standard. Really? Sorry, as a conference, yes. These are Big Ten schools. Yeah, I do. I think a lot of people do. They're well known. They're yes, it's not easy to get into. You know, there's some there's luster Hmm. there compared to other schools. And I went to SIU, and I hate to diss my own school. But maybe the players and the fans don't take it the same way. If fans are the ones yelling this, I I go back to um, I went to school with Steve Kerr. Give you an example of how old I am. Uh, and um, uh, although Steve is older than me, I will acknowledge that. And he was our point guard for University of Arizona. And uh, U of A's big rivalry is up in Phoenix called ASU, Arizona State. And uh, a lot of people don't know about Steve Kerr, his backstory. His father was a professor at the American University in Beirut and was taken hostage and killed by one of the terrorist groups that said he was a CIA agent or whatever. They had, you know, the hostage videos and things like that. And during a game, the ASU students were taunting Steve Kerr about his dead father. And so, (laughs) now, listen. And and, and, And that's way back when? Yeah, back in the olden days. So bad behavior happened. Now, to their credit, I mean, the, everybody from the president of the university on down apologized, and 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 you know it, it became less of a, of a deal when you saw, when I think when the students who were yelling those things saw the reaction of everybody else going, okay, you want to know where the line is? You just found the line. You you just found the line. Yeah, I think maybe we do have to. We have to be the police now for for things like that. And I guess well, shouldn't the should... fans police themselves yes, to a certain extent? Right. That's what I mean. You have to almost you know if you're you can't leave it up to the 
the parents or maybe they, you know, maybe the parents were just as mortified. I mean, if my kids said that, I would be like, what? It, no. So, yeah, maybe we when it's that personal, we as a fan base and as just human beings need to say no. You can't do I think self-policing does coach, more than anything coach else. Why did Underwood have to come out and say, you know, everyone should have been like, this is terrible. After the game, they should have all been talking to the reporters and saying that was just uncalled for and that was terrible. But, you know, it took the coach to have to come up and stand up and say, all right, I'm going to take responsibility for this. Yeah. I, Not responsibility, I think it shows but to leader- apologize. Yeah, I think it shows leadership, though. I, I agree that, yes, fans should be self-policing and just just understand it's a game. I know there's a lot of emotions. You get hyped up, all it that happens. kind of stuff. Sure. But and it's one thing if you're in your own house screaming at the TV, scaring the dog. You know, the, <laughs> these are these and are the children and the wife. Yes, exactly. These are living, breathing people right in front of you that are trying to play the game. So I think people need to let go a little bit of that, you know, that hype, that high emotion and all that kind of stuff. But I, I am glad that Coach Underwood said something because he is a figure. He, right. he means well, something. And you to people, set a you know? tone. And, and exactly. it, it does say something. And, and we've talked to Coach Underwood before um, and know him to be uh, everything we know of him, to be a, a decent man, a, a leader of young men. You know, I mean, that's part of being a basketball coach or any sort of a sports coach these days, uh, certainly at the collegiate level, and that you have to set a tone and you have to – Say, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. And hopefully it's a bit of a, you know, learning moment, teaching moment, if you will, heading into the tournament where somebody's going to yell inappropriate crap. I can tell you already, and they're going to start doing that. And uh, again, up to the fans themselves maybe to put a kibosh on it. Good morning and a happy Monday, Bruce and Judy with you. And are you a, a fan of true crime? Well, then I hope you're locked and loaded and ready for season four of True Conviction. With Anna Siga Nokolazzi on ID, uh, uh, investigate, investigation discovery, right. Anna, good morning to you. You're joining us now. I am. Thank you for having me. Can I call you Anna? Is that okay? Are we friends? Yeah, that is fine. Double checking. You have quite a background yourself. I mean, if people are just watching and, and see you as the host of True Conviction, uh, the, the, looking into some, uh, some of these cases and following them from, you know, all the way through the, the court process. But uh, you, you know of this firsthand, don't you? Yeah, uh, yes. I look at this actually strangely as the easy stuff that I'm doing now. Um, I was a prosecutor in Brooklyn for 21 years, 16 of those in homicide. So it is the world that I lived in and in certain ways continue to live it because I think everything I do, I view as a former prosecutor. I just get to talk about it, not rather than the courtroom, but onto the television set or into the mic these days. Yeah. And are you still shocked by some of these cases or are you kind of immune at this point? No, I think the day that you get immune, you need to stop doing this type of work. We shouldn't be immune to these type of things. Um, I definitely still get shocked. You know, I I actually was just reading the paper before as I was waiting to get on and saw yet another case that I jotted down. I wanted to look into it because I had to shake my head at it. That one happened uh, in Connecticut. But I'm never not shocked. I'm certainly not every case. But unfortunately, I keep seeing things that I just it. it Stands to no reason why these things occur. Yeah, and and your show specifically, True Conviction, again on ID, uh, takes a look at at really from you start with the crime itself, and you take it all the way through conviction. You you go all the way uh, to the end of it till a, a perpetrator is is in jail. You look at it as in totality. 
And we started doing that because the show, I should say, because prosecutors that are homicide prosecutors, we really work with law enforcement often from the time that a crime occurs. So I really thought that we have this unique lens of the way that we see it from beginning to end. And it's also really important for me in these cases that we don't just talk about the victim in death, but rather than who they were in life, because I think that gets left Mm. out of the retelling of these cases too often. That's a good point. And is that what makes your series different? Because let's face it, there are so many true crime series you know, to choose from these days. What, what is it about yours that, that is different? I think it's, I think it's that, uh, like you said, I mean, there is just an incredible number of these shows in all different formats, but for me, it's through the prosecutor's lens and really using the experience that I have, which is what I have to offer from 21 years to really look at it from all sides and to hopefully explain it a little bit along the way, both for the great work that's done, but also where there's problems, you know, let's try to figure that out. Boy, do we have some problems here in Chicago. We might uh, get you to focus on that at some point as well. No, that gets, it's a bigger, a bigger issue where you're talking about convictions and you're talking about prosecutions that, that can be a real challenge. You know, uh, what is the old line? Uh, uh, you, what you know and what you can prove in court might be two different things. Very different. And as a prosecutor, it's always about the evidence. You know, you have your gut feelings, you have where the evidence is pointing, but until it gets you to where you think that you have enough, at least that you have a good chance of proving that beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a very high standard for good reason, you shouldn't get into the courtroom. But like you said, you know, certainly in cities, you know, Chicago, similarly to Brooklyn, we have more than our share of trouble. And it's really trying to figure out, like, how can we finally get out from under? Because people, all of us as citizens deserve better. You're here. Are, are many of these cases solved like years later? You know, I, many, yes, there are many, but I still think that if you look at the numbers, there are more that are solved in the short term than the long. But I think the amazing thing is to see how many of them still do get solved, some, you know, years, decades later. And I just think that's important for families that have these cases that haven't been solved, that people haven't been brought to justice for these crimes to remember not to give up hope because technology is our friend. People know about these cases when they occur. And sometimes it's just the years that tick by that lets this all come to light. Well, you know, you mentioned, Anna, that you you spent 21 years as, as a prosecutor. And during that time, I got to believe that uh, technology changed a lot. You know, the way that you prosecuted crimes, the way you worked with police uh, had to fundamentally change. I mean, more than just DNA, right? Oh, my gosh. We did not uh, videotape statements because that was you were afraid that the defendant was going to shut down during an interview. You know, the social media was just very brand new. I remember the first time I got some evidence off of Snapchat. I had to ask, like, what is that? Like, that's how (laughs) many these things were. So I've really seen it evolve for most ways for the good, because we'll take any bit of information we can get from any source, but it also creates problems because there's just so much out there that you have to keep track of all the time. Wow. You can only imagine. Hey, we really appreciate your uh, your time today. Best of luck with uh, season four, which you can watch now on ID True Conviction with Anna Sigat Nogalazzi. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for having me. Have a great day, guys. Keep up the good work. You know there is such a focus on on the true crime out there, and I'm there's so many different it. ways. Uh, well, it's just, on, I have to watch the whole from from all the way to the end. Some of the biggest shows uh, out there right now are based on you know a true. I mean. Tiger King was a true crime. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about any of yeah. these these big shows out there, uh, Making of a Murderer, all these things where where it puts you in the in the place of 
in many cases, the investigator, the police, or the prosecutor, and how do you solve this crime? It's like the real, real TV. You know, it's like the reality TV. It's that true we reality all know. TV. Reality's like, ah, come on. Yeah, this is, it's an actual case. Yeah. And I always have to see it to the end. Yeah. Well, and that's, again, that's what Anna does on this mm-hmm. and goes all the way through as they prosecute, not just investigate and uh, and find it. So that's a, an interesting, really interesting take on it, the yeah. way that, that she does it. Something kind of interesting out there and joining us right now to talk about it is Janet Volk, the creator of the Woman's L Project. First off, good morning, Janet. Hey, good morning. Thank you for spending time with us today. I'll let you explain it. What is the Women's L Project? So the Women's L Project is a unique way to honor uh, great Chicago women from the past and also the present. Uh, if you look at the uh, the map uh, that's been created, it looks like a standard L, mm-hmm. you know, GTA L map. But if you look closely, you'll see that all the stops have been renamed for Chicago women. And I, this is so interesting because, first of all, I love the map of the L, and then to have to look closely and see all the names is so cool. Did you have a hard time coming up with the names of these women, or were there more that you had to leave off? Oh, there were a lot I had to leave off because there are so many great Chicago women, and there's only 141 stops. Yeah, Only, yeah. yeah. And so what were, What was your criteria? I'm just wondering, was it because I, I've looked at some of them uh, and I can't stop reading them. It's so interesting. And it seems to be just this this wide range of what these women did, not just, it you know, is. they they weren't just doctors and lawyers and, you know, scientists. They were right. They were women from, you know, worlds of justice, social work, business, education, medicine, the arts, literature, politics, science. Um, one one criteria was that I wanted each woman to be at a stop near where she lived or worked. Mm. Yeah, and, I was wondering um, about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, each stop is 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 significant. Um, you know, finding people um, invariably as I would be researching one person, and I'd be down the rabbit hole researching one. You know, one person I'd find out about another person, another woman. I can yeah. include her as well. Well, I thought that was really clever too. Like I, the O'Hare stop is named on the the uh, uh, the Women's L Project Bessie Coleman because she was the first woman of African American and Native American descent to earn a pilot's license. Okay, boom, right, right there at the airport. That makes sense. So I'm I, I looked on the map. Uh, my stop is Vivian Meyer. I'm I'm a, I'm a red line. <laughs> Vivian Meyer, and I I learned uh, that she was an artist, a photographer, and and downtown area right around there, that Grand Avenue uh, Red Line stop. She she used that a lot, and that's where she photographed things. She did. She was a nanny by day, but she was this excellent photographer on the side, and no one even knew about all these photographs she had taken over the decades until she was very, very old, and they were cleaning out a storage unit that she had in Foundies. And, uh, yeah, her, I mean, her work has been displayed in, in museums around the world. Amazing. Well, you know, can you name a couple more amazing women? And not the ones we might know, like, you know, Michelle Obama mm-hmm. or Sister Jean. Jane Byrne. Even though they those. all deserve to be on there. But who are those, the, the ones that we would go, oh, my gosh, I never knew that. Um, one of my uh, one of my favorites. Um, oh, I've, although other uh, like all my favorites, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Tom Mary Thompson. Uh, she was a physician. She uh, was born out east in upstate New York. Came to Chicago um, 
uh, it was during the world during the World War. I'm sorry, during the Civil War, and uh, she helped care for Civil War veterans in a facility that was here in Chicago. Once all those Civil War veterans were discharged or healed, uh, she went to the two Chicago hospitals that existed in 1865 and applied to be on their medical staff, and she was turned down by both because she was a woman. Mm. So she did what she had to do. She started her own hospital. (laughs) And it was the Chicago Hospital for Women and Children. It grew over the years. Uh, was on the near west side, and uh, after she died, it became Mary Thompson Hospital, and it existed until uh, like the 1990s. Wow! Wow! Again, it's the Women's L Project. Imagine, imagine a, a map uh, of the L system here in Chicago, except you've changed out the stop names for famous or influential women in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you. Janet, are, are you? Do you want the CTA to actually change the names of any of these stops? No, that would be chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you agree. Sure. Well, I would For like sure. it, but but here's what I'm thinking: if the CTA would like, you know, during um, uh, Women's History Month, maybe put up some posters about these women, or we cha- you know, we have portions of street names that are changed you know honorary right. mm-hmm. ways and things like that and to do something like that maybe have a plaque up at at uh each l station uh honoring these women that that would be that would be cool that would be very cool yeah. Now, yeah. and where can so okay i know you're selling these posters right correct okay and now uh, when you get the poster do you also get the backstory on each woman so um that's where you need to go to the website www.womenslproject.com, and uh, there's information on the women. There's uh, many bios on the women, plus uh, information about why she is at that particular stop, plus ways to learn more. And for many of the women, there's also ways to connect with the causes of these women uh, through volunteer opportunities and things like that. Again, womenslproject.com. Not only can you see the map that we're referring to, you can then go, like I did, you can start clicking on stops and try to figure out, okay, what what is behind this story? Who is this woman and what it was her contribution, not only to Chicago, but even more specifically to that, to that area? And I think that's a, a great piece of what you did with this. Thank you. Yeah, uh, she is Janet Volk, the founder of the Women's L Project. Thank you for spending time with us today. Hey, thank you so much for Thanks. inviting me. That's outstanding. Thank you, Janet. Yeah, and uh, and again, I learned uh, on my red line. I'm the Vivian Mayer stop, for goodness sakes. Who knew? I didn't, but yeah, a lot of uh, amazing women and, and, and people who, in many ways, fundamentally changed uh, a neighborhood or uh, added something to it. Again, we talked about not just politics, but but the arts and business and everything. And you start seeing this this uh, this map of Chicago uh, with these amazing and famous and maybe not so famous, but you probably should know who they are, uh, women on there. So uh, you can check it out at the Women's L project.com and uh and take a look at that map yeah, as it's we get into so it. interesting Isn't i mean it i can't, I just i'm reading every single one. and some of them are you know jacqueline Gorell, the first may, female mayor of skokie 
Okay. I, I, well, how did I, you know, and it's 2007. Yeah. Um, so she was still alive then. It's just, you learn such interesting things. And believe me, as a woman, I can say a lot of times we know a lot about our male counterparts who've done, you know, these, you know, outstanding things for the community, for the world. But you just don't hear that much about the females. Like the, the doctor in the Civil War. My first thought was, there were female doctors in the Civil War? <laughs> like, who actually were women. doctors with degrees? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd they get those? There you go. Hey, good morning. Happy Monday. Bruce and Judy with you. And uh, I'm assuming that many of you, some of you, still reset your clocks on Sunday. That's right. Daylight savings. So did we go forward or back? We sprung ahead. Sprung ahead. ahead. So I lost an hour? You lost an hour, yes. Right now, it's actually... Um, almost eight o'clock. Okay. Oh, I still didn't feel that in your that. body this morning. No. I know I feel yeah. it. Yeah, no, I, I'm. T- I was just yawning. I was like, yeah. ah. And you know, I want to point out, I was wrong about farmers, which is what I have always heard about that it was because of the farmers. American farmers were opposed to it because, regardless of what the clock said, their cows weren't ready to be milked right. until later in the day. What? Got it. And so then I was thinking, okay, I get the whole sunlight thing. And I do love it. I love that the sun's yeah, out sun longer. sun comes up earlier. Well, goes down later. Goes down later. Goes down later, right. But um, if we just didn't change it, it would still happen eventually, right? Right. Just it's not, we didn't change the sun. No, but we, but we <laughs> did change the time because now... We would have to wait longer for for the sun to stay out longer, right? It wouldn't be like June till till June when it would be this. Yeah, I just don't See, understand why we're trying to cheat Mother Nature. Wouldn't like, you rather have more sun in the morning, more no, light in no, the morning? I'm one of, nope, I'm one of the other people. Yeah. I want more sun later in the day. I'm okay with just Here's however why, it Nick, happens. I you know, I don't uh, ever see the sun. Period. Even if it came up earlier, I still don't see it. Yeah, I like just let it happen. And you know, there is a solid argument to be made that maybe we just don't need to spend any time whatsoever uh, uh, screwing around with daylight savings time. You know, this is hardly universal. There's a lot of countries that don't even play this game. You know, they're like, no, we we don't change our clock. Well, here, yeah, here are some interesting facts. Um, daylight saving time, as we know, it was proposed by a New Zealand etymologist who wanted longer hours for insect study. What? If that's what this is based on, now I'm mad. So what? some Kiwi just decided <laughs> for right. everyone what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 173 countries around the world do not change their clocks. Yeah. How's that? We are in a small minority. We're we're not one of nine that do this. But why would it's never going to go away unless people start unless there's why an uproar, doesn't somebody right? like run for president on the I'm going to eliminate daylight savings time platform? You, I'll tell you what, you run on I'm getting rid of daylight savings time and I'm going to outlaw speed cameras. Uh, I think you'd get elected in a landslide yeah, everywhere. Could work. I Good mean, work. these are things that people care about, yeah. for God's sakes. I mean, only because I just find it, it's it's getting harder and harder. Maybe because I'm getting older. But, yeah, this this time change now, I while I like, I appreciate the sun staying out longer. Well, actually, that's not what I say it that way, but that's not what's say, happening. The sun is staying the out sa- the exact, yeah, exact same, same amount time. of time it was I'd going to. I appreciate that I can stay out longer mm. in the sun because of the time change. 
but it just it like wreaks havoc. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. Well, I, maybe you go I the to other go direction. Change all the clocks with global warming. Maybe you'll want to not be out when the sun's yeah, <laughs> out. Yeah, maybe too uh, hot. The sun may be I out all know. the time. Yeah, I, I don't understand how that works on that yeah. side. I'm just happy it's not sunny still when I go to bed, but it will of, be. It will be. It because will of be. this, at some point, the sun will still be out at eight o'clock. Doctors say that changing your sleep patterns, even by one hour, can go against your natural circadian rhythm and have negative consequences on health. Did you know that the risk of heart attack increases 10% the Monday and Tuesday following time changes? So I'm only uh, today and tomorrow, I hope you guys make it. (laughs) I'm not sure I will. I'm feeling a little hoo-hoo. feeling feeling yeah. the tightness in your chest. Well, haven't you? I mean, there's all of us have that one year where we forgot, and we were like we're late for right. work or something. Yeah, do 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 do, getting ready, and your in. your boss calls. Uh, are you coming in today? What? It's yeah, the one time, right? We've all done it. Yeah. Okay, maybe just me. Oh, I th- I think when I was still working in the service industry, that happened. You know, when I was still slinging corn at the at the local movie theater, showed up a little bit late. But uh, even though we fun. had a whole day to remember, yeah, still, I yeah. mean, you know, sometimes I don't talk to people but for te- all day. Technology is, for all intents and purposes, just made this a little bit moot, right? Because sure, your yes, your yeah. cell phone, maybe your car, it, like everything, auto updates the, way, the time. The microwave out there in the lunchroom, it still says. Seven fifty six. I'm surprised it's not I'll blinking right midnight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Why? How? Why would anybody have set the the timer at the microwave to, I, in the kitchen? I, I had to look at it, and I was like, I don't have time. I'll, I'll go do it because it's wrong. I think it's like uh, McCormick Place. You got to wait for the union electrician to do it's it. It's got to be. It's a union job. <laughs> it is a union job. I've been waiting for someone to push the on button for like months now. When does that happen, Nick? My right, coffee's well, been sitting in there getting cold. We got to get somebody in here. Get get them working on the uh, changing all of the clocks. You know. Yeah, I well, think it's time. Let's just do. It's let's ridiculous. get rid of it. Again, just get rid of it. I, right, nobody here's what would, we do. Look at this. Would anybody miss it? Would anybody be sitting around not right now all. going, I can't believe it's not 9 o'clock and it should be 8? Like, would anybody miss it? Well, let's see. If we leave this time, I guess, because I like the, the morning. What's the uh, real the evening time? to be. Yeah, what's the, even the real time? Who knows? Greenwich <laughs> Mean Time, damn it. Time is a construct. Time is a construct. I don't subscribe There's that guy yeah. sitting there in the bunker, you said, who's keeping time. Oh, what? What does he yeah, say? Yeah, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, okay. Well, he goes by Greenwich Mean Time. So. All right, well, there you have it then. I'm going to call the uh, the time and temp lady and uh, find mm-hmm. out because that's the only person you can trust these days. Yeah, apparently uh, for GMT it is 1.58 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's what Judy's house sounds like with all exactly. the clocks. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's your GMT, Greenwich. And it's not Greenwich, Connecticut. It's Greenwich somewhere near England or whatnot. You know, it's all over there. Not Greenwich Village? No, no. It's completely... <laughs> different country that tells time might be one of the reasons why you uh, think we're going to hell in a handbasket judy says she can restore your faith in humanity well a group of second grade girls in clarendon hills are teaming up to make bracelets in an effort to raise money for ukrainians Myla Feeney says it makes her sad because ukrainians she says are suffering from something they didn't even choose to happen now the group of students call themselves the giving girls They have raised nearly $14,000 for UNICEF. 
Teams in Ukraine will be delivering medical supplies to 22 hospitals in five different conflict areas of Ukraine to benefit some 20,000 children and mothers. That's according to UNICEF. Now, parents of the Giving Girls are asking anyone wanting to pitch in to donate to UNICEF on behalf of the Giving Girls. It's outstanding. Yeah, a lot of people looking for ways they can help and and support out there. Certainly, that's a, a great thing to do. Thank you so much. Restoring our faith in humanity, Judy. We also need to thank MG and the Posse and Mission Control. They hit all the buttons and they make things happen. Our infant producer, Miranda, on the other side of the double-pane bulletproof glass, doing her work over there. DJ Tom, hush your mouth, young man. And sticking around, continuing to deliver the news, the traffic, the weather, the information, everything you need to know. He's Nick Gale. He's up next right here on 890 WLS.